Hi everyone, thank you for downloading this episode of Series 13 of What the Fartlek podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts every Monday and Thursday. If you enjoy the show today, the best way you can support us is by leaving a rating and a review on either Spotify or Apple, give us a share on social media, or just tell a pal who you think might enjoy what we do. We are committed to growing our community, the Fartlek family, with an ambition to help combat loneliness and build friendships through our mutual love of running. If you would like to get involved, then find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or TikTok. We've got our website www.whatthefartlek.com or drop us an email whatthefartlekpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, so do get in touch and we can tell you more about what we're all about. Hope to see you soon, but until then, let's get on with the show. Are you a lone groupie and are you enjoy your run? Back to take it easy, you're shooting up like a gun. Whatever your ability is, it's a place to be. So welcome to the world of the run community. If you're 17, 25, push it in. Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to Series 13, Episode 12, can you believe it, of the What The Fartlet Podcast. My name is Rob. And I'm Matt. Back again, my fine four-foot friend. How are we doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, it feels like these just roll around, don't they? Time, time mm. after time. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. Professional as always. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to another um, chat with an awesome member of our running community. Uh, Thursday's community episode has just dropped, so go and give that a listen if you haven't already. Series 13, episode 11. Uh, that's where we talk all about um, what we've been up to as a podcast community, Park Run. Um, we do a roll call to shout all of you out. It's good fun. We talk about the guy's spring marathon training uh but this uh monday episode is dedicated to those members of our incredible running community who do awesome things and we've got another brilliant episode lined up today matt who's our guest today uh we had a, a guest like her a couple of weeks ago a gb athlete and this is another one we have the awesome poppy tank mm, we do yeah so we spoke to abby donnelly um uh two two two, two weeks ago yeah. And uh, and yeah, and, and Poppy was also in Brussels uh, at the European cross countries. Uh, she is turning her hand to the steeplechase at the moment. Another uh, little link to a previous guest. Can you remember who very famous steeplechaser that we had on the show previously, Matt? Oh, she was from Ireland. I forgot her name. Oh. Captain Carves lurking in the background as always, JP. First of all, how are you doing? Second of all, will you save him from his shame? Uh, yeah, I'm doing very well. Although I, I did get distracted during that intro, and then it were like, what, what was that? It was like a dream that Cindy Lauper sort of. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Kerry O'Flaherty. Kerry O'Flaherty, who went to Rio in 2016. So definitely go back and listen to that one. A uh, good bit of homework before listening to, uh, to today's episode with with Poppy Tank. But the the Poppy Tank, yes. Having a go at Steeplechase, she's got big dreams in mind. We're going to talk all about all of that. But we know Poppy. We came across um, Poppy's work um, uh, back in JP. When was it? Was it October last year? That we yeah, with Cheshire, weren't it? Yeah, Cheshire Ten K. Uh, when she blasted the field, she she won 
I can't even remember the time she ran it. She ran a 10K. It's a 10K and a 10-mile race, and she ran the 10K, and she came in before any of the ladies, any of the men, with nobody anywhere near her. She's just another level. And it was quite like, when you watched her, it was like, oh, this is clearly an elite athlete that we're watching running, um, who's come to quite a local race. It's not the biggest field run through Cheshire 10K. Um, But it was pretty awesome it was like oh my god like you know the form and the speed she was running at and the fact that she just absolutely blitzed everybody that was anywhere around her was she, she's a dynamo and she clearly is getting better and i'm really enjoying with the podcast particularly this series we mentioned abby donnelly um the fact that we are we're never going to be a podcast that focuses specifically on elite athletes right this podcast is always about great stories from people in the running community and the times that they run the achievements that they've um uh, uh got in the kit in the kit bag in their locker that that's that's not driven by being an elite athlete by being quicker than everybody else it's it's the story behind the athlete but what we are finding is that there are some athletes out there at the elite level that one are very very approachable two have got great stories and three um just people that you want to talk to and you want to learn more about and I think Poppy is certainly one of those um you know learning about uh, her journey into running going out to America um uh, as 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 a scholared athlete which is incredible to think of you don't really think about that necessarily of athletics do you because you think about like you see those those movies um uh, uh Hollywood movies where it's always like baseball or basketball or American football scholarships but you know she talks about how what the collegiate system's like in the US and it's it's, it's crazy um but most importantly there's, there's a really cool person there who I really enjoyed speaking to so I'm looking forward to uh, to get to that in just a couple of minutes but I did want to talk before we get into it a little bit about pacing because we did meet Poppy for the first time at a what the fart like pacing event we started those off in 2023 uh, we did a couple and, and we really enjoyed them and we're back again for 2024 Matt we what events have we got coming up in 2024 <laughs> The same ones we had last year. I think we've got Cheshire, Cheshire Macclesfield. We've got um, is it not Mansfield. What else, what else have we got? Uh, we've got Rasselbock. Yeah, Jubilee Bridge. We've got uh, Rasselbock Half Marathon and Marathon. Uh, lots mm. of different events coming up and lots yeah. of different uh, pacing uh, times that people are going to be giving it a go at. Yeah, it, it, it's great. So we've got a great relationship with Run Through. Um, who have been kind enough to support us in our efforts to to do pacing takeovers. They, they've got a great pacing setup anyway in terms of how they reward people for volunteering. They deem pacing as part of that, and we've been able to to take over. They they let us wear our t-shirts. They don't you know insist on us wearing run through branded gear, um, and we've got a great relationship with them. And I think we laid down a good foundation last year and we got some trust in them and the thing that we are doing this year is we're expanding so where we did a lot of 10k races now we're doing a 10k and a half marathon we're doing Macclesfield at the end of the year we're doing we're pacing the 5k the 10k and the half um, and excitingly at Rasselbock which is our first non-run-through pacing event which Eric's been kind enough to to loop us in on and um, it's his first race of that type if you're a fan of the Rasselbock series, you'll know that they're more driven by um, the idea of, of completion of laps. There's a time limit and you go out and you do as much as you want, as much as you can. Um, or, of course, his, his Backyard Ultra series that he started, which is absolutely incredible as well. The the idea of a conventional marathon is not quite 
um, uh, something that's in Rasselbot's wheelhouse so far. So it's very exciting to be a part of that. And particularly half marathon and marathon. We've got, we've got, I think, six marathon paces out there that day. So it's going to be really cool. But I think there's a JP, I mean, you, you'll know, you, you did pretty much every event last year, didn't you? There's a real buzz to pacing it's it's great and it's it's great to be able to do it in what the fartlet colors yeah absolutely um we've 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 done it to death on the podcast anyway but that that feeling of helping others to achieve the goals is something really really special and it's something that i don't take for granted and the opportunity to to do that again is yeah it's, it's brilliant can't wait yeah. Absolutely. It's good seeing it's good seeing other people putting their name down as well, wanting to get involved mm. and be, be a part of it. To be honest with you, we, we yeah. had a we had a we had a select core of people that, that that started them off. But it's good seeing other people wanting to get involved. Yeah, lot, lots of new faces. And if you are listening and you'd like to give pacing a go, we we probably are at capacity for our 2024 events, but that doesn't mean we don't want you to be involved. So, you know, drop us a message, let us know, and we'll get you into the group chat. And um, maybe we'll have some spots open up if people have to drop out. And we'll we'll certainly be looking at growing into 2025. There's there's some ideas I've got for 2025 that might help grow the pacing plans a little bit more. So it's going to be really really good, and I'm looking forward to it. Um. But yeah, that's that's just 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 a little. I just wanted to to flag that we've so if you are signing up to Jubilee 10k and half marathon, then we'll be pacing that. That's in in Widnes, um, in June. If you're doing the Russell Park half marathon and marathon, we'll be there in July. Um, I think Cheshire 10k is July as well, um, and that's a 10 mile race there as well. So you can do both of those, and then October I think is the Macclesfield Running Festival, which is very very hilly and dirty and disgusting but we're going to be there having fun and keeping people going so um please do get involved get signed let us know if you're signed up so that we can know to look out for you um with that being said i think we need to go and chat to the person that none of you guys who are actually pacing at cheshire 10k got to see because she'd already finished got in a car and gone home probably by the time the first pace across the line the absolutely incomparable and very very quick poppy tank jp should we roll that audio yeah let's do it Another Monday release can only mean one thing. That's another catch up with another amazing member of our running community. Now, if you came along to our pacing event late late last year at Cheshire 10K, you, just like I, will have seen my guest today in full flight on a way to a comprehensive victory without a competitor in sight. So what else would we do on the back of that? We'll get her on the podcast to find out more about her story. Uh, we're going to talk steeplechase, cross country, uh, Team GB and more as we learn a little bit more about the story behind a pretty incredible athlete. So please join me in welcoming the excellent Poppy Tank. Poppy, how are we doing today? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh no, you're very welcome. And you are, of course, in much sunnier climes than me in cold and wet Yorkshire, aren't you? Yes, currently in Spain it is about 22 degrees or so today, so... Don't feel that bad for you guys, but I'm sorry to hear that the weather's bad at home. No, absolutely. We've already had that discussion before we started recording about how your day's probably going a little bit better than mine. Now, listen, we've got loads to talk about and um, I want to find out all about your story. Um, let's get straight into it. We always like to start these conversations back where it all began. So has running always been a part of, of your life when you were younger? Was it a part of what you did? What, where did your journey begin? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Plymouth in the lovely county of Devon. Um, and I, I genuinely get this story wrong every time. I've done a few podcasts and every time my mum's listening, she's like, you're an idiot. That's just not how it started. But I do my best to get it right because, I mean, growing up, I have two younger sisters and I think we were always very active and 
competitive family for sure so sport was a big part of my life growing up and running came into it fairly early on um I think I was around seven or eight years old and we had like a school cross country and I did really well and I think when my mum came to pick me up from school a lot of the parents were saying how how well I did and my mum had no idea what they were talking about um I think that's how it went it's probably wrong but then I think she tried to get me into a local running club and I guess she just stumbled across City of Plymouth Athletic Club and at first I went along to their like Monday night sports club where you can just try all the events sort of running jumping throwing you name it you could just do it there Um, and I think the thing that I liked the most was the running part particularly the longer distances Um, so I think she talked to some of like the older sort of like coaches at the club and just inquired if there was a more sort of specifically running group um and they pointed us in the direction of that sort of subdivision of the club that did just running um and i think i went along to the park on a tuesday afternoon after school and they're running laps around the football field and sort of climbing over it and stuff and i hated it i absolutely hated it i was like what is this i don't want to be a part of it and somewhere along the lines i decided to keep going i don't know why or what but um Yeah, I did a lot of sport growing up. I played field hockey and netball and I was an avid horse rider. I convinced myself I was going to be riding at the Olympics. Um, Didn't really sort of factor in the financial part of being a horse rider. And that sort of decided its own fate, really. Um, Running was a much more affordable sport to do. Um, And so I got a lot more into that. And I think it was around the age of maybe 15 or 16, I was sort of thinking, well, another ball to my Achilles I'm probably going to be in a pretty injured state and not able to run and the netball was sort of like a ankle twister type of thing and I'd already given up horse riding at that point so I think that I was just naturally channeling myself into the running um, more Um, and so I think that I kind of made a call on essentially quitting other sports around the age of 16 or so and deciding to really go for it with running because I think I was doing pretty well off of fairly basic training I think it was it was very fun I mean sometimes in the summer we would go and just play football before we'd start the session and I'd go to training straight from school and have a chocolate bar in the car and that was sort of my pre-training fuel um so I think that I credit my mum especially and my coach at the time Simon for keeping it very relaxed and even the people in my group it was it was just fun it was very chilled it was sort of oh, okay we're here run to that tree and then we'll run to the next one it was very informal and I think that I loved that and it kept it really fun which I think is always a big part of it I think it's really interesting that you say that because we've had guests on the show in the past and, and particularly just a couple of weeks ago and, and, and you'll know a teammate of yours we, we've spoken recently to Abby Donnelly and she told a very similar story about um, being so involved in running from a young age but particularly the fact that there are key memories and, and key events that took place that kept it fun mm-hmm. and that and that kept it in context for what you'd expect from a child um, and it seems that it's those kind of environments that ultimately are really breeding success because you're not putting so much pressure on these young people um, that make them fall out of love with with with, with, with running as a sport yeah definitely and I think distance running 
is a sport where it attracts a certain type of person. I think that you're usually very internally motivated and a very mm-hmm. serious person. I think obviously, you know, there's always exceptions to that rule, but I think that as a young athlete, you often put so much pressure on yourself. You don't need your parents and your coaches to be just adding layers to that stress and, you know, detracting away from that fun really, because I think for me, I was always so competitive growing up and I think a big part of why I stayed in the sport was because people were actually holding me back and being like you're really young you don't need to do that right now and I remember going to one of the mini marathon camps when I was around 16 because I qualified out of the London mini marathon itself and I met some amazing athletes and I heard the training they were doing and I was like what am I doing I'm, I'm joking around in a field in Plymouth and I think it was sort of, I guess, humbling, but also at the same time, I was like, well, I'm not actually that far behind a lot of these people and they're probably doing double my training. And actually, you know, for one reason or another, a lot of those people aren't in the sport anymore. And I think a lot of why I'm still here is because I have such fond memories of it growing up. And I think that that is so much to do with the people that I was surrounded by, be it my family and the coaches and the people who had a real influence in my running at such an early age I think that it's a big credit to them yeah and, and an important message I think for anybody listening who have little people who are not just showing interest in running but any sport or other pastime that finding that balance and, and keeping them grounded and ultimately being supportive without being pushy is is super important isn't it um t- let's let's talk about the next stage then so you know you've you've got to 16 you've you've realized that running's the one for you we've we've put the other sports to a side how do we kick on from there? Yeah, so I think as I was progressing, becoming more competitive in that sort of English schools and even just like regionally, I was getting better. And I think that I knew running was something I wanted to pursue as I go into university. And I was actually quite unsure about what I wanted to study. I did very well at GCSE and I was always a science oriented person. And that's something I was quite passionate about, but I never had an overriding sense of what career path I'd ever want to follow. And I think it was around maybe like lower six, so around the age of 17, 18, um, right when you're starting to consider where you might apply and, you know, the course you might want to choose. The idea of going to university in America came up. I think we had someone come and uh, give an assembly talk at school or something like that. And I was like, wow, that would be fun because that's a way to keep doing my running. And I think it was sold to me in a way that you don't have to decide academically what you want to do straight away. And I think that that really appealed to me because I didn't want to sell my soul down this road academically something that I didn't even like because you know I went to the obvious places of Birmingham and Loughborough on the open days and we were sort of walking around the various departments and all I cared about was what was the running like what was like what was going to be on offer training wise I didn't actually care about the departments academically that we were looking at and so yeah America was something that I think by the time I was in my last year of school I was 100% down that road I was going to America and that was it like I didn't care um so yeah that's what I did when I was 18 did my A-levels and packed a big suitcase or two and hopped on a flight out to uh, Salt Lake City in Utah when I was 18. Wow and how's that experience because I I, I, I've nothing like you but so I, I did a gap year at university I went and lived abroad for for nine months and I remember how daunting it was but I was only 
an hour's flight away from getting back home if I needed to you know yeah. Utah's the other side of the world and it, and it is as much as we have I guess American culture kind of embedded into um, what we see on TV and in movies it is still very very far removed particularly in states like Utah I guess with, with the limited knowledge that I have from, from what you may have been used to how was that experience for you as an 18 year old? Yeah, I think looking back on it now, I'm almost in shock that I was able to do that because I had never lived away from home or anything. My school was about a five minute drive from the house. So I was always within arm's reach of my mum and my sisters, really. So I think that it was a very, very daunting experience. And I don't actually think it hit me until my mum left me when she was saying goodbye and I was getting on a bus to go up to teen camp. I think that moment. I was just like oh shit I'm staying here and she's not going to yeah. be here yeah, and yeah. I think a big big part of it for me was realizing I'm seven hours time zone behind her and so you know when it comes to my evening and I'm feeling homesick she's asleep and I tried to like respect that but there were many phone calls to her at 3 4 a.m me sobbing down the phone saying can I come home and her saying no <laughs> <laughs> you can't come home it is I don't know about 12 13 hours of flying and we lived in Plymouth so then I'd have to get a train all the way back from London and um it's expensive to fly to America too I can't just wake up one day and choose to go home so I think that there's some really hard points and I after the first semester so it's about three four months um it was Christmas time and I was honestly contemplating just not going back because it was so hard and going home I was so much happier there because I was back with my family and the familiarity of the UK and stuff but somehow I think my mum managed to convince me that you you got to go back this is the right thing to do you've committed to this you got to see it through um and I think that eventually I was able to call Salt Lake City home and my teammates became like sisters we only had a women's team so I think we were all very close um and I started developing a really good close relationship with my coach and um yeah I think I just eventually became perhaps more open-minded and I fully embraced that experience and it, I think still is some of the happiest five years of my life because I stayed there the whole time and I just made some really important friendships along the way. Yeah. It sounds to me like running particularly was an anchor for you out there and, and maybe a huge part of what kept you there. Do you think that having that experience and, and what a huge part of your life it was so intertwined with running only went to strengthen and deepen your relationship with the sport when you came back? I think so. I, I mean, it's important to note that there were some really hard times out there. Yeah. We, we had some things sort of externally to the running that happened that were just tragic and long and I mean, I had my fair share of injuries, some not so serious and others that took me out for a good few weeks. And, you know, I missed many races because of it. But I think that that bond you can share with your teammates and having that common goal together and um, just choosing to spend time with them and invest in each other outside of running as well does actually make you love the running more. Um, it's difficult though because I know a lot of people who had a really negative experience in America yeah. so I try to be sort of aware of that because I think that it's you don't want to just be like ah oh, la di da America's amazing because it's hard it's really hard to leave home and to live so far away from your family and be quite independent at such a young age but 
at the same time, I think I was very lucky again that I had such a good support network of teammates and coaches. And I just had such an innate drive to do well that I think that all those things cobbled together made it a positive experience for me and set me up for being a runner outside of college. Yeah. And how was the experience of collegiate sports in America? Because it's a very different proposition to over here in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, just I think the word that springs to mind is professional. It yeah. is just so professional out there. I mean, the resources that they have available to athletes, even, you know, athletes on the team who are probably not as great as the, as some others on the team. Um, you just get so many opportunities. I mean, we would fly to every race that we went to. We were bopping oh. off down to California in the spring. It was great. It felt like, you know, you're getting everything paid for. You're just on a jolly with your friends, really. Um, and I think that along the way, some people kind of get lost in that, that it seems like you're just getting it all free for fun. But I always try to remind myself to take full advantage of those opportunities and be aware of the fact that this is a finite amount of time, that one day you will have to pay for it yourself. So enjoy it whilst it's there, but use it to like boost yourself and get the most out of yourself as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a whole different world. I mean, I thought English schools was competitive. And you go out there and it's like it's on steroids. The yeah. talent, the depth of talent is amazing. And because they offer scholarships, they can recruit people from all over the world. And they do because it, there's some very, very talented athletes all over the world. And I mean, it's just it's amazing, really. Like what was on offer was just incredible, to be honest. Yeah. So when you come back or, or when you finish um, university, uh, what comes next? Yeah, so I got a contract with Puma that I was really happy to get. I think I knew I wanted to keep running, but it was going to be one of those things where, like, I'm now at the end of my student visa. How do I get to stay? You know, things like that. And I guess it's quite daunting because you finish college and there's no sort of preparation for what comes next. It's kind of just like, bye, here's your degree. Have a nice life. Um, and a lot of my teammates they just stopped running some of them through injury some probably weren't talented enough to keep going I mean there were plenty of girls I knew who absolutely had the ability to keep running but they were just like well I'm gonna just go get a job now and I was like okay I I just can't do that I I want to keep running um so I was lucky to have a contract for a couple of years um but eventually I decided that the UK is where I wanted to be and I think that I knew I had some goals that I, I, I suppose just made sense for me to be back home. Um, and being British, I think that I always wanted to return home eventually. Maybe not everybody feels that way, but I think I had the American experience and I loved it. But I think that that was that. And I'm yeah. now ready to like do something different. Um, and yeah, like I was kind of in a situation more recently where I was sort of deciding well what am I going to do event wise because the marathon I'm definitely not quite ready for that you know it's going to be a one day thing um just not so soon um and then I I really would love to stay on the track but the 5k is just so competitive yeah. as well as the 10k and every event really but I was sort of like well the steeplechase is something that might be providing a window of opportunity here it's not as deep as an of an event compared to others and it's also not so much of a developed event in the uk um 
And so I was kind of just like on a whim reaching out to Luke Gunn at University of Birmingham, sort of like, hey, I think I'd like to try steeple. Would you take me on as an athlete? And it was really just out of the blue, but we had a call. And I think I was just really grateful that he was open to the idea of taking me on as an athlete. And like, I think he knew that I had goals outside of the steeplechase, but I also made it clear that I was very open-minded to learning a whole new event. And I sort of sold it on the basis of, I think I would be good at it. Um, and he was sort of like, well, let's do some drills, see how you are over the hurdles, because I'd never hurdled before. Um, we'll go from there. So yeah, that's then when I sort of started my steeple journey, if you like. And it is, I mean, the steeplechase is chaos. Yeah. <laughs> the best way to describe it. We, we chatted, yeah. I think, last year at some point to uh, the wonderful Carrie O'Flaherty, who represented Ireland in Rio in the steeplechase. So she told us some wonderful stories about the madness that is the event. Um, yeah. Did you find you adjusted to it quickly? Or was it a bit of a learning process to, to kind of get on board with just how crazy it can be? Yeah, so I moved to Birmingham, I think, around end of April last year um, and so bearing in mind Luke is brand new to me as an athlete brand new to him and now he's trying to teach me this whole new event mm-hmm. I'd done hurdle drills before just because that's what you do as a runner you know for hip mobility and stuff like that so we did them and I guess I was decent at that and then we kind of got to the point where I needed to start doing some hurdling um, and it wasn't pretty necessarily but it wasn't tragic either and then we sort of progressed to bringing hurdles into the middle of the session, sort of doing K's on the track, bringing in maybe three to five hurdles per lap. Um, and I, I don't want to sound like big headed, but I, I was pretty good at it. I yeah. was like, OK, I think I could hurdle in the middle of running. I think it's hard to sort of comprehend the idea of hurdling in the middle of a distance race. But I guess there was something quite natural about it for me. It felt quite rhythmic. Um, but the 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 bad part was really the water jump. Yeah. I mean, the first time we tried to do it, I just stood there staring at it, sobbing. Luke sent me off for a lap jog. He's like, you just need to go and like walk away from this for a second because this is like about a week before the debut steeple I was supposed to do. And I couldn't go over the water jump. I was too scared. And I went off around the track crying, just thinking, what am I doing? Like, this is just such a bad idea. Um, so, yeah, it was really just a water jump where I, I really didn't know if I was going to have the ability to do it or not. Um, but somehow I managed to convince myself to get over it within that week before the race. I landed two-footed. It was super ugly, almost fell over, got drenched. And Luke was like, yeah, that was pretty horrible, but you got over it. Yeah. And that was the main thing. I, he told me, like, in this first race, it's going to look really bad and it's going to feel terrible, but you just need to get around it just so that you know you can do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I went to my first race, almost missed the race because of the lovely M6 motorway. We got stuck on there for, like, three and a half hours. So I'm, like, really, really stressed out and pretty much crying, texting my mum saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, blah, blah, blah got to the track in Manchester and I had about 20 minutes to warm up before my first ever steeple race and I think at that point I told myself I don't really care what happens because I've had such a horrible build-up to this day um 
but in the end, I I won the race and I ran the fastest uh, debut by a British woman ever. So, wow. yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't an amazing time on paper. But for me, that was a massive win. I proved to myself I could get around it and I had the fastest debut ever. So I think that that proved I had so much potential in the event. Um, and I think that solidified the fact in my own mind that this is what I want to pursue long term. Hmm. Amazing. And not half bad, is it? Fastest debut ever. Um, so how, how, how does that progress from there? Because it's a very you have a very quick ascent to um, doing really rather well in the steeplechase. And if the first race is that good, the sky's obviously the limit. So and, and this is all very recent, isn't it? That this is kind mm-hmm. of a big part of your life and then a big part of your running journey. So how does that then progress through the year? Yeah. So, I mean, first steeple race was end of May last year. And I had really big goals in my head. I mean, I'll be honest, I was really like, maybe I could make the world team. But I think as I did the event more and did some of the training for it, I began to have more of a level of respect and understanding for how hard it is. And as you say, chaotic. I won the British champs and I had a great race there. Again, it wasn't a very fast time. It was pouring down with rain, but that afforded me the opportunity to run in the London Diamond League. And to be honest, I shit the bed. Like, it was terrifying. I lined up on that start line and there was a crowd of 50,000 people. And, you know, it was amazing. And I I soaked up the experience probably too much because I just was in over my head. And, you know, we go off and there's just like, olympians all around me and i'm just thinking oh my god i don't know what i'm doing and it really showed in that race my lack of experience but i think that from that i took amazing lessons away that i just have so much more growth available to me in this event and we ended that season in about late july last year and we kind of put steeple to bed after that because I was pretty keen to do some cross country in the winter as I always do because I think cross country is just such an amazing thing to do in the winter especially for distance runners you get so much strength out of it it's really fun because it's kind of the only like team event you do in distance running um and so I was grateful to make that team that went to Brussels in December last year and we won team gold in the senior women's race so that was amazing because you know to uh, get a GB vest they're not easy to come by especially in women's distance running in the UK I think that we've we're starting to develop some really really impressive women um, and so I just value those experiences so much to make a European cross-country team because Great Britain dominates every year there and I think that there's that level of expectation but also so much excitement and potential about what you can accomplish at those races so I was really happy to do that but as we've entered this new year, Luke and I have a very comprehensive plan of trying to make the Paris team. And it's a massive long shot. And I've never tried to deny that fact because I know it is. And I think that's why I call it a dream still because you know, on paper, it looks a little unlikely, but at the same time, we've got a plan that we believe is going to work. And I think that belief is such a big part of what you do in anything really, especially in sport that if you believe it then there's a really good chance it's going to happen like you have to really genuinely believe that that's going to happen um and so yeah 
part of that is making sure that I'm healthy and I'm happy. And Luke is such a big advocate for having his athletes have balanced lives outside of running, um, which I'm really grateful for because that's not always true of coaches. Not all coaches value your mental health. Um, so I'm very grateful that Luke does. And I'm also very grateful that I have a massive support network between my friends and my family and my boyfriend. Everybody's on board. They know how serious this is for me. Um, so yeah, there's a long way to go, but that is the end goal this summer. And and why not dream big? And it's an absolutely wonderful way to look at it. Um, you've mentioned that there's a lot of work in that plan, as as there would be anyone trying to get to, to a goal as lofty as that. Um, but you certainly don't pigeonhole yourself into one category, do you? You're not not opposed to 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 branching out into a, a different event, a different discipline, having a, you know, a, a blast at something and doing pre- pretty well in it as well. Um, you mentioned that marathons were potentially something, something yeah. in the future, but we, we did get the pleasure of seeing you, as I alluded to in, in the intro at the, um, the Cheshire 10k for run through, which you, which you won, you blasted through, there was nobody anywhere, we were at the finish line, there was nobody anywhere near you. <laughs> um, do, do you enjoy getting out and, and getting to those kind of events and doing a bit of road running? Yeah, I I have had people before be like, oh, is that kind of below you? But, you know, sometimes you need an event where there's a lot of elite athletes if you're trying to accomplish a very specific goal, especially if it's time oriented. But something to me that I like going to community events, I think elite athletes become kind of isolated from the greater running community, which is kind of sad sometimes. I don't know if it's, you know, the way our training pans out and our racing schedule, but For me, I think that I value doing those events such as the run through events because I can use it as a training tool, but it's also a chance to go out there and just try and be a part of the running community that everyone else gets to enjoy so much more often. Um, And uh, yeah, it's great. Like it was hard work and especially running out there alone, it's difficult, but I enjoyed it. And I will definitely continue to do things like that and park run because I think that they're great. And I don't know, I think it's important for elite athletes to actually try and connect with the more general running community because I think sometimes we can come off elitist and it's not an intentional thing. I think that most of it is because we're very focused on what we're trying to accomplish. However, I think it is nice when sometimes you can use it as part of your training early on in the season um, as just a means to sort of stay a bit more connected to the wider community. Yeah, I, I, it's it's such an interesting point to make, and particularly to hear it from your side, because I do think that there is a, a, a general kind of feeling where you you could talk to a huge percentage of of the general running population, as as you put it, um, people who like going to park run, they might be training for the first marathon, you know, whatever it might be, uh, couch to five k, and they have genuinely no. I don't want to say interest, but no real understanding of the elite level of the sport. You know, like mm. like like somebody might talk about, you know, you ask them about football and they'll reel off the Sheffield Wednesday starting 11 from 1991. Like people have yeah. that level of innate knowledge. But with with running and, and particularly, you know, those events, whether that be cross country at the elite level or, or on the track or out on the road marathons, there does seem to be a, bit of a disconnect. And I think these mm. kind of conversations hopefully help a little bit that get people going oh well you know what I've just heard uh, Poppy talking about the next race she's at 
on this podcast so I'll go and have a listen but I think yeah. what you say is so much more important which is this you know we're all we're all runners at the end of the day aren't we and, and we're all yeah. part of that same community yeah absolutely I think it's part of it is because running is so wide open it's not like football where you've got the same types of teams lining up for the same thing I think that it makes track and field and road running very hard to follow because you you can't really choose one team or person to root for. There's so much going on. It is chaotic. When I talk to friends outside of running, they have no concept of the paces or like the race times I'm running. They just think I'm amazing, which is really nice. And I love them saying that. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, but you have no idea that I'm minutes behind like the world record holder. They can't comprehend what these sort of time differences mean. You know, it's like, they have an idea of what a good 5k time is to them and so it's like it's just as you say a real lack of understanding because it's like it's not even given the coverage really I think that's that's a big part of it is that running is not televised in the same way I think that we're starting to make steps towards it but it's so far behind sort of your traditional sports of like football or even cricket because They've just been on TV for years that sometimes I have to send my family a YouTube link, like follow this really dodgy link and it might show a glimpse of me running. You know, it's just it's hard to follow. And I think that that's something I would love to have more of a hand in changing and making people want to be a part of running, not necessarily to actually do it, but just to engage in the sport on a fan basis. And maybe that translates them taking up running because I think that running is a very social event and it can be very good for you and more ways than just physical so yeah I think that I don't know I wish I could crack the code on how to make it a more widely loved sport really um, but, yeah. but but it does sound like you, you you certainly make him you can only influence what you can influence can't you and it sounds like you are certainly trying to do so and, and I think that the the foundation is there you know when London Marathon ticks around all of a sudden everyone's a buzz as who's doing well and you know when the Olympics comes on everyone's got an eye on the marathon there so I, th- I think that people no matter what the level of runner they care about the elite level of the support but I think you make a really good point around the coverage on it and 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 the variety really interesting that 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 you know it's hard to keep up with what good looks like and who's good at any one point and like you said who you should be rooting for yeah definitely I think that podcasts like this are a great way to get it out because I think part of bridging that gap and understanding is having athletes come on and share their story and people understand that we're not weird superhuman we're just average people really that have a a talent for what we're doing um but as you say the running community we all have that common ground that we all just love running (laughs) some more than others some of us are fairly obsessed with it Um, but you know i think that at the end of the day there's just there is a a big love for running especially in the uk and i think that maybe one day we'll catch up maybe not i don't know the likes of football but i i think it's trending in the general right direction yeah absolutely and as we start thinking about uh, wrapping up our conversation we've already talked about big dreams of Paris which would be amazing um and and I, I would not be offended if you turn around and say Rob that is absolutely enough and that's all I'm thinking about but is there anything else kind of in 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 the foresight from a goal I know you mentioned maybe a road marathon is somewhere in your future yeah I think you know as an athlete I'm 26. I'm still fairly young 
for an elite runner, but the window is relatively short. I think that a marathon is maybe something I'd consider years down the line, but there's mm-hmm. so many goals that I could choose between now and Paris that are not independent of Paris, but, you know, like, for example, I would love to try and make the European track team, which is in Rome, in Italy this year. And there's plenty of races I'll do between now and Paris. I'll hopefully fly out to America and do some races out there, I'll do some more local races in, like, Manchester and Birmingham. Um, you know, I'm not one of those crazy people that's dying to do a hundred miles or like one of those ultra type <laughs> things. I'm really not. I think that like my goals for now are very focused on pretty mainstream Olympics and world championships. Um, yeah, I think that it's good to be open-minded, but I also like to keep my goals fairly shorter term because I think it's really important to stay in the moment and really just enjoy what you're doing it's so easy to go running off down a road of oh well in years time this and that but if you get too wrapped up in the future you just miss what's happening around you and I've I've really like tried to become more present in the moments that I'm sort of like engaging in currently because I've read articles written by um, past athletes and they said the one thing they could give as advice is to enjoy what you're doing now because you're going to look back one day and it will just be a memory and you'll really kick yourself if you don't soak up and you know embrace the bad moments too they're part of the journey they're part of the process of what you're trying to accomplish and just really really stay present in it which is really hard to do and I definitely don't do it a lot of the time but it's one of those things I'm trying to work on for sure yeah absolutely and a, and a wonderful place to finish i think and good advice um not not just for elite athletes i think just stop and savor the moment whether it's in our own running journeys at whatever level we run or or in wider life i think is a is, is a great message to finish on and um, poppy i know there's going to be big big things coming in the future particularly throughout 2024 if people want to give you uh, a follow if people want to keep an eye on what you're up to is instagram the best place to keep up with your your running uh, exploits yeah, for sure. Instagram, I try and keep it somewhat up to date because I think it's nice for people to see what you're doing. But yeah, Instagram for sure is where I usually put my stuff. And you're just pop, poppy tank, isn't it? All one just word on Instagram. Tank, yep. And we will pop all that out in our um, in our socials and, and in the bio for this podcast. So listen, best of luck with 2024. Um, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, hopefully maybe see you at an event in the future. Less of just like a blur flying past me. Uh, maybe it's time to catch up. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Thank you again so much for having me. And that was the absolutely exceptional Poppy Tank. Huge thank you to Poppy for taking the time to speak to us. It was wonderful hearing about her story. If you want to find out more and follow her journey, you can do so by following her on Instagram at Poppy Tank. That is it from us for another Monday episode, continuing to shine the light on our wonderful running community. We hope you are enjoying the new format. We hope you are enjoying the guests and the more in-depth conversations because we certainly are. But... That's not all we're about at What the Fart Lake. And you know the drill by now. On Thursday, we are back for a community episode. Ben and Emma will be telling us all about their parkrun adventures. The parkrun cup is now into the knockout phases, which is very exciting. And of course, Lou joins the lads to tell us all about spring marathon training. It's hotting up. 